Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. I am Bennett, and I am joined, per usual, as is typical, our standard, Jack Fitzpatrick. I like how I got the last name and you didn't get the last name. Nah, people know me, man. I'm, a, I'm on a first name basis in the <laughs> community. What yeah, do you status. You are, yeah, you are pretty. You, you, your first name basis in the UVA sports community and the JMU, I think just the entire valley. The whole valley, even though if you say Bennett, they probably think you're talking about Tony Bennett. But aside from that. Have you gotten that a lot? Good complete side tangent before we jump into today's topic of the podcast, which we'll get a lot of hate for, I imagine. Um, <laughs> but does that happen to you a lot when you're like, hi, I'm Bennett? And they're like, oh, are you related to Tony Bennett? No, I haven't gotten that. I think they've been smart enough to know the difference between the first and last name. Although I did when I went to Syracuse for the season opener, they gave me that credential that said like Colin Bennett. And then I was like, all right, now I can pull off that I'm related. He's my uncle, you know, I'm just here covering him. He got me the job at the Daily Progress. I only write glowing reviews of him every week. He got me a low salary local journalist position. Thanks, Coach. Classic. We have an exciting podcast today. A very exciting podcast. Yeah, it was Spurred? Spurned? Spurred. Spurred by conversations from last week? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a little FCS to spring. We got the athletic article that that sort of talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, and we're talking more like full-time, like a permanent move, not just the um, 2020 or 2021 season or whatever, which will probably end up happening here soon. Um, we're not going to get too much into that. I think the NCAA Board of Governors meets, I want to say it's next week. It's early August. So you'll probably get some clarity. I would kind of guess that they're going to cancel the FCS playoffs at that point. Maybe they don't. Um, my guess is that they do, which might sort of say goodbye to the fall season for JMU. So you've got another week to enjoy that, JMU football fans. But we'll see what happens after that. Uh, but, no, we want to talk about, like, a permanent move and if it makes sense and things like that because we've seen some discussion on this, which part of it is we've talked about it. Um, so that's sort of how we've seen it. You yeah. Know, when you talk about something, people reply. Oh, you got an email right there. I also think it was um, David Pollock. Is that how you pronounce oh, it? Oh, yeah. 
I think yeah. I think he's he started this conversation even heavily. I imagine he probably read that athletic article because it happened like four days after that. Or, and it, but I think the way he went about it was so so bad. How he was like, these guys have no shot in the NFL. They should just move to the spring if they want a shot. They just play the Power Five, which that was a terrible way to go about it because we all know that a lot of rosters are made up from these smaller school guys. But his grand idea. And the grand idea from the Bruce Feldman athletic article is that people, and, and we'll dive into this more, just the grand idea of it all is that, and we've seen it with the XFL and the AAF, people want spring football. So why not move group of five and FCS over? And that jumps us into our first point is what is group of five and what is FCS? Yeah, so that's important. You kind of have to – to narrow that down, I don't think the American Athletic Conference would want to be included in that split. I think they consider themselves, well, they do, they've branded themselves as Power Six, even though nobody really has agreed with that branding other, other than them. Um, no, but I think they're a conference that, like, you look at UCF, Memphis, Houston, like, those are the kind of schools that that I don't know that they necessarily would want to take that step down, um, so to speak. So I think they would want to stay in the fall if this sort of all blows up or whatever. Um, it's an interesting idea. I think you could still like the Mac is not that great a conference. You look at the Sun Belt, some of those other group of five, I guess those additional four are not, those aren't the strongest conferences. So I think they could be okay moving those four conferences and you might be able to, to figure something out, out with those. So a large part of this entire thought exercise is that we're going to have to rethink a lot of things from top to bottom. And I think it starts with rethinking the NCAA as a whole and in that athletic article, there was a quote a lot from unnamed FCS and even group of five coaches. And one of them was talking about maybe it's not just a different calendar. It's a completely different business model. Maybe we just kind of blow up the NCAA because in the quote, he says, all the NCAA does is rule on violations. I don't know how that can work, but somebody needs to take on the task. So the kind of general ideas that the NCAA, and we hear this all the time, the NCAA is only rules on violations, only lets you know if you can do waivers or not, and is kind of like making sure everyone stays in line, but it's the individual school presidents and athletic directors that are really making the changes at a conference level. And I think when you go spring, you have to think of the NCAA would pretty much be blown up and we'd have major kind of a realignment again under the the thoughts that the AAC might move up to power five, maybe some lower AAC schools would rather go down to the group of five and play in that spring football. Maybe even some of the other power five schools that are traditionally really bad. Maybe they would want to kind of move over. Um, but I doubt that because they're all getting so much money from the, the um, TV contracts, but there would be a major realignment of a lot of these group of five schools trying to jump up, to power five. And I don't think it would be power five and group of five anymore. I think you would have, and you'd have fall college football and you'd have a spring college football season of just like different teams. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think it would, it would probably have to work like that. And I think the whole coronavirus thing is sort of um, helped reveal the flaws with the NCAA. Just, I mean, you've got power five conferences, you have FCS conferences, like no one's making decisions in coordination with anyone like the CAA canceled, you know, fall football, but then also like Jamie and Elon are still trying to put together schedules and you've got, you know, the Ivy leagues out. 
but then the Missouri Valley Conference, they appear to be relatively confident they're going to play. Um, so it doesn't make any sense. Like it's, it's just, there's no like unification. There's no like anything. There's no centralization. Like Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA doesn't even know how the FCS playoffs work. Like he had an article in ESPN where he was like, you know, it's easier to play bowl games because it's just that one-off game compared to the FCS playoffs, which is a round robin tournament with 20 teams. What? Like a round robin tournament? No. That's it's just very- crazy that the, Head of the NCAA doesn't know how the FCS playoffs work, and it's just wild because the FCS isn't like a D3 tournament that's played in the middle of March. It's like an while, while March Madness is going on, you know? Sanctioned event. Like, he should he should know that, and he, he didn't. And he said it was 20 teams, which I think he was just sort of saying, but it's 24, obviously. It's not round robin. His point is still correct that, like, there would be a playoff system, so it's like, a series of one-off games with the same teams compared to like a bowl system where if like a bowl gets canceled, it's not the end of the world. You can't cancel a playoff game because then the playoffs would be done. Like I get that point, but he, he doesn't really know what's happening and they're not doing a good job organizing anything. So the idea is that like at some point you could have these conferences be like, you know what, we don't really need the NCAA for this. Like we can just do this. Um, so that was sort of where that would happen. And then you would have the schools figure out where they're, where they are division wise and, and then maybe you could have JMU playing like an old Dominion Appalachian state. Maybe they would be in the spring together or something like that. So I think that aspect of it is certainly appealing and interesting. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think, I think that's the biggest part of it and it would shake it all up, which I think is one of the most intriguing parts of it all. Yeah. It's, it's a fun thought exercise. So let's, I guess let's dive in. Let's kind of go through um, the arguments that, for it not working and sort of talk about how those could work or, or how those things make sense. And I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here and try to push back on some of them, but the big one. So I've seen a lot when this idea came up, I think we were like, Oh, this is an interesting idea, which I think it is. And people are like, okay, well, you know, what about this, this, and this? And one of the first things they would always bring up is like, what about if they lose the FBS game? So they lose the, you know, $500,000 check that JMU is getting this year, which they're going to lose anyway. But if you lose those games, how do you sort of keep the athletic department and the football program afloat without, you know, half of a million or maybe even more than half of a million dollars coming in just for that one game? Yeah. And I, I think I want to preface this with, I think this would be such an interesting and fun idea and it's a great thought exercise. Do I think this will ever happen? No, but do I think it should be looked at and really, really dived in, dove into sometimes words are hard. But I, I think that's where I stand on it. It's fun to look at and it's fun to kind of imagine this scenario. And I don't want to speak for you, Bennett, but I think we're both very interested in this idea. I think the idea is interesting. I'm, yeah, I mean, I would at least consider it. I think it's when people just sort of dismiss it and they don't look at it at all. I think that's where I kind of kind of lose them because I think there's some value to it, but I also totally understand why they why they have the current system. Yeah. So jumping into missing their payday games. Missing their payday games is the biggest point to me where that is a lot of money, but we've seen at least TV rating wise cuz the XFL and AAF both didn't get paid for their broadcasts. If I'm not mistaken, the AAF paid to get their games on TV. Um the XFL had a little bit of a better deal with ESPN and ABC 
where they weren't paid for it, but they got all of the ad revenue and, or they might've split it with ESPN and ABC because they ESPN and ABC then picked up the production costs. And those are both leagues that are unproven that are new startups. And we both saw them collapse the XFL more so because of COVID-19 and the AAF more so because of um, terrible management at the top that was lying to its players and workers. Um, I do believe the XFL, if COVID-19 didn't hit, could have at least finished their season and possibly had a second or third season. Um, we saw their ratings week one. They had over 3 million viewers for their week one games or for one of their week one games. I think it was their opening game of the Defenders and Vipers, if I'm not mistaken. I could be very wrong on that, but no, one's, no one really cares about the XFL anymore. And then by the end their last game had roughly 800,000 viewers. So there's still a large contingency of people, even though the play was terrible in the XFL that want to see fall football. And so with all of that being said, the FCS group of five, I'm going to just refer to them as kind of the FCS. So I don't have to stumble over it. The FCS moving to the spring is a proven commodity. And I believe could easily make up that money that they would lose by having those payday games, by having these um, contracts with that of ESPN, ABC, with that of the NFL Network, CBS, Fox, all of these who really want and shown that they really want games in the spring because they're willing to, in the case of the XFL, buck up for the production cost because they believed in the product. They'd be more than willing to then have all these contracts. I'm not saying on par of what the ACC network is and the SEC network and big 10 network and all of those, but you would see something similar at least where each school would be making up for their $500,000 that they're missing out from playing a UNC that they know they're going to get destroyed. I think there's potential there for that. I think my other thing is like the play of FCS football is worse than like what the XFL had. Like it would be worse. You think like so? You I definitely think so. Like those are people that played at like who was like PJ Walker. Was he one of the the quarterbacks? Right, he played yeah, he's at an NFL quarterback now. I see what you mean. Like that's a quality dude. Like I don't like Colgate's quarterback is going to be somebody that would be in a game. You know what I mean? Like he, like these guys are like fringe NFL talents. Most FCS dudes are not fringe NFL talents. You've also got on the plus side, you would have you know fans and like an actual fan base that's been engaged for an extended period of time. On the downside, like, I mean, like, Jane, you brought in 9,000 fans in a 25,000-person stadium for a playoff game. So, and they're one of the best programs in the country. So, when you talk about, like, attendance and stuff, it sort of depends who you're looking at. I don't know if it'll necessarily be the same. Like, Villanova's got a really good football team. Uh, I've been to Villanova games. Would not consider that, like, a rabid, ravenous fan base. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I have some some questions about that and how much it would work and how much people would want to watch it. The other issue is it's – for me at least, and other people were certainly interested and did watch the XFL, I would watch the FCS because I, you know, follow a team in it. But how many people are really interested, like a casual sports fan, let's say it's in March, are you going to watch that over what, like the NBA or a major league, or you've got like college basketball? So you've got like normally if you're talking February, which I guess would be the start of the season, you've got marquee college basketball games is ESPN or someone going to bump that out to put in like, you know, Northern Iowa against South Dakota state. Like, I don't think that draws 
as much as like a, an ACC basketball game or something. So I think that's something that would be interesting. Is like, which network is actually going to give them the money? Is it still a fringe network? How much does it really grow? So I think that's, it's interesting because I do think they might be able to get some of those TV deals, but also I don't know if it's exactly the same as a professional league because a lot of the players like just aren't as good. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I think a big part of it is that these are fan bases that are there where with the XFL and AAF, you're trying to get the Memphis fan base that has never had a, a team before riled up or Birmingham all riled up. Um, so the fact that they have these teams in place with fan bases, another kind of just TV rating wise, and I know this is the national championship, so it's very different than a regular season game in February that's matching up with a marquee college basketball game that has March Madness implications on the line. But the FCS national championship had 2.69 million viewers, which was higher than 22 of the bowl games. This was just that North Dakota State JMU one. And then throughout that um, playoff run, for a couple of them, they had the ratings. They didn't have them for them all. But for three games, North Dakota State, Illinois State had 1.74 million viewers, which it is North Dakota State and Illinois State. And North Dakota State, we know, is a ravenous fan base. Um, so I think, as a quick side note, I think the Missouri Valley would have a good little TV package going together. And CA, maybe not so much. They have good teams, so they don't have as rabid fan bases. But the JMU Northern Iowa, which we all know was the fan, most fantastic game of all time with high-scoring offense and hardly any defense, as I say, biting my tongue. Um, I hope the sarcasm gets across there. That one had 563,000, and Weber State, Montana, had 438,000. So those are lower than what the XFL was bringing in, but they also, if I'm not mistaken, were on ESPN2 or ESPN3. I think they were definitely – those were semis were definitely ESPN or ESPN2. So, I mean, that's, that's certainly something that's interesting is, is how that could work. And, and you could probably get creative – with when the games are like, I don't know if a Saturday game makes any sense if you're competing with college basketball or like the NBA, yeah. like basketball, at least in February, um, NCAA tournaments a little different, but like a Friday game, I think, you know, I guess you'd have to do night in February, which can be an issue if you're playing in South Dakota. Um, but let's say you're playing a Friday game. I think that's got a better opportunity in terms of, of TV viewership, like Friday night sports tend to be just horrendously bad. Like there's not a lot to, to watch of quality sports. So maybe you do a Friday, maybe you work in like, like the Mac does with weird weekday games. Like you'd have to get creative, I think with the spring and how you do it, if you're really trying to, to capture an audience. But I think there's, there's some benefit there. Some of it too, depends on like what the group of five you could get. Cause let's say you do get an Appalachian state or some of those good teams. I think they do draw a little bit. Those are like interesting to watch, but if you're pulling out, like, you know, if you're losing the AAC, I think that also hurts a lot because then you've got significantly worse, worse talent level and, and less exciting programs. Yeah. I'm trying to look um, when they're going to restart in spring, like where that lines up with everything. I think it was February, like April. Like February, or March, April would be the the three months, sort of like September, October, November, and then maybe you end in May. I don't know because then you're also overlapping with spring sports championships at least a little bit. Yeah. I guess you maybe get it done before then, depending on when you start it. 
I think that then perfectly leads us into another topic, which is that it would just spread it all way too thin. I think that's, yeah, because then Falls got almost nothing for FCS schools, right? Like what I mean, but I don't mean that like offensively. It's just the amount of like staff members and athletic leaders and things you mean need for like a, a soccer game is significantly different than what you're doing for a football game or even a basketball game, um, or in some cases, even like a baseball game. So you've got baseball, softball, basketball, football, all kind of overlapping. And that's sort of where a lot of your, your people are needed compared to the fall where it's like, you know, golf, you're not going to need a whole lot. You just got one person like tracking the team and yeah, basically maybe some photos, but so that makes it a lot harder. I would say with that overlapping, and this is just from the communication standpoint, we haven't even gotten into the concessions workers and the facilities and athletic trainers, but from a purely communication standpoint, I know early season softball, early season baseball, which is what football would then be overlapping into. You could run those games bare bones almost. Cause I remember there were Wednesday games where it was like a Wednesday, three o'clock game against Lafayette that like, we had maybe two communications people and then like two facilities and the rest just like worked (laughs) like, so I mean, you don't need a lot in early season. Then when it gets into conference, it gets a little bit more heated up. Um, But those sports could kind of transition to a more bare bones staff in the beginning. And then basketball and football overlapping is the big one. But I think that one more plays into you just have to schedule that one very well. Um, there might be a couple games where you might have an overlap, but it wouldn't be like every Saturday there's a basketball game. It would be like maybe two Saturdays of the entire season or even one if they could just schedule it out. Because even if you have an away game, if you can schedule out when you have a home football game, you have an away basketball game, that's just taking one calm person away and it's taking no facilities, no any other workers, maybe a couple athletic trainers they kind of have their own athletic staff for basketball than they do for football. Yeah. I mean, the logistics are tricky and part of it too is we're assuming this is like a post COVID world, right? So yeah, people can go to games. So if you're, if you're removing every Saturday men's basketball game in the new arena, that's kind of a massive like blow to fans going. Or right? even you just play your home Saturday men's basketball games or women's basketball games on the away football Gotcha, I gotcha. And you truly like split staff or something like that? Yeah, kind of like how... That would, I mean, that would also compete pretty hard with fans, wouldn't it? Like you'd have to then choose between going to the home men's basketball game or going to a road football game. How many, how many students, though, go... How many people that are going to... I mean, it's actually probably a larger number when it comes to alumni. But from a yeah. student's perspective, how many are actually going to those away football games? I don't think they care because students aren't paying for basketball games. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't think, I don't think it's about like the numbers. I think it's about like you got to maximize how much money you can make. So if you can have like a football team pulling in 20 plus thousand and you get the money, I guess not all of that is, is people paying because of the students, but you've got, you know, a lot of money coming in there. And then you're assuming that your basketball programs are going to be good in the new arena. Like, I think that would be an issue is like if you're losing the buy games and you're kind of playing with that, that could be a, a challenge. I don't think it's like impossible to fix, but it's certainly a logistical question. Yeah, this is probably the logistical nightmare of it all. 
But also at the same time, like JMU was pulling maybe a thousand in for their basketball games, and we are under the assumption that they're going to be better. But I, I just don't see a world where an away football game at Villanova is pulling fans that are from the Virginia area to go to that game over going to the men's basketball game. If especially if the football game in this world is on a network that they can watch. I could see it maybe if it's on Flow Sports because Flow Sports was terrible. But if it's on Fox or if it's on FS1 Saturday at 1 and the games, the basketball games at 7 p.m., I'd much rather stay at home and watch football and then go to basketball. It's an interesting thing because some of it, I'm trying to figure out when it would overlap and like what things would be happening. Because what if it's like you're choosing between marquee football game or like men's basketball conference tournament or something like I think it's it's definitely interesting like you have to figure out the the scheduling so conference tournaments happen in late February early March yeah this idea is that we're starting football what in late February early March right I think you'd have to do like earlier February wouldn't you just to be able to finish it so yeah I guess that's a good point but so what I'm saying is like even when March Madness is happening, you're not running into marquee football matchups. You're running into like the mid, I mean, in football. It, depend- it would depend on how you set it up. Like what if you have, like we've had Villanova in the middle of the season multiple times. What if that falls with the first round? Of, you know what I mean? Like it, it I, might not necessarily happen, but if you have the first round of the NCAA tournament and you're not deciding the NCAA tournament times, like you can't change that schedule yeah. set for basketball. So then if you've got that and you can't go to that or you can't watch that because you have like a random football game and you'd have to try to change football time. Like I think there's challenges there. It's not – it would there would definitely be some times where it overlaps and would suck. Like I know there have been times with like random spring sports where it's like softball play a game and then someone else is playing a game and maybe lacrosse is playing a game. And I don't think that is the same level of fandom. But if you're trying to follow along, it's – it's like you got to get the three screens up or whatever to, to do that. You add football into the mix, it becomes a little more, a little iffier. Yeah, and this is, like we said, the logistical nightmare of it all. I think the real problem is kind of the payday games of it because that is money and that is what makes it all go around. But I think this is the logistical nightmare where there might be the athletic director sitting in a room really scratching their heads trying to figure this out with scheduling. I do think it can work out. I think it would just take – a different way of thinking of it all than what we've done before. And we prefaced this all as this entire thought exercise where we're kind of saying, this is interesting. It all will take, excuse me, it will take, um, that was a bad voice crack. It will take a lot of rethinking and thinking in new ways, kind of like how the thought that football is played in the fall, we're going to have to rethink that and say football is played in the spring, you know? Yeah, and the other thing, just to kind of push back on my other point, just since I like I'm kind of neutral on this whole thing, <laughs> is like you, you might have issues where it would suck, and you'd have to like pick one. You could also have things, and this kind of transitions to the next thing. You could have like a noon JMU football game and like a seven o'clock, like on a Saturday, marquee men's basketball game. Like if you could watch JMU Richmond football, and then they play like a VCU and basketball that same night. Like, isn't that almost like a dream? weekend for a sports fan like you would go to Harrisonburg and be like yeah I'm I'm like going down for the weekend because this is gonna be insane that would be better than homecoming like that'd be better than any other weekend that Jamie you could put on just because of everything with that like I would 
come down from Hoboken to go to that weekend. Like that would just be, that'd be a blast. Right. And I think that's the thing that people are kind of missing a little bit is it's really easy to be like, well, this doesn't work. And we've already done that. Like there are a lot of things that don't work about it. There's also some stuff that would be incredibly cool if they did it correctly. And I think, and it just comes down to the logistical nightmare of it all. But if it's, if it's done properly, it's, it's done really well. And going back to that too, it's just playing my own devil's advocate here. I just think of the facilities where like the facilities management people that just the same ones are working basketball and football games, but they're different seasons. But could you imagine them working the noon football game and then having to go work the 7 PM basketball game? Like they're getting paid a lot of overtime, which is a lot more money in the budget than they were getting paid before. And all of a sudden, I mean, you could bring on seasonal workers because in Virginia, you can get around a lot of OT laws with being a seasonal worker. You could also bring on freelance guys and stuff like that. Um, it would take a lot of rethinking and thinking in new ways. And yeah. that's the big thing. It would, it would be a challenge. I would not want to be the person in charge of coming up with the logistics, but I would be fascinated to analyze what they did come up with. Oh yeah, the second if this ever happens, the second it would come out, you know, we're tweeting from JMU Sports News. Look at this. This is what we think of what their 15 million hours of man thinking, not man think, like manpower. But I don't want to come off as bad in that. People thinking. The other one that um, is interesting to me, the thing that's interesting about this is like they're probably going to have like a trial run at something similar. Like yeah. This, right this spring is going to be, I think that's what it all comes down to. We're going to see how it works. And so all of this talk in four months, if they can play, if COVID, if it's safe to play, which is the big thing, but we'll see if this works in four months. The issue is that I think the P five is going to go with them. So I think that's kind of where it comes into a little bit more of a challenge is I really don't think there's going to be fall college football. So then you've got, you know, it's not exactly the same, but logistically, logistically, I think you get sort of that taste of what it would be like. You get to see what it would be like to see South Dakota State play. And this is assuming things get better. But I think, I don't know, people are talking like, well, there's no guarantee it'll be better in the spring. I totally understand that argument. But you would also, like, it seems like there's going to be at least some sort of vaccine, right? You would also think we would have a, a general idea of more months of research of just understanding how to treat the virus, which I think would be beneficial. I also think there's a decent chance we could have new leadership at the federal level, which I think would be tremendously beneficial, not putting like a political opinion out there, but like our, our approach, I think nationwide has sort of been lacking kind of like the NCAAs in terms of how to handle this stuff state by state. So if that changed um, in sort of the winter area, I think that could help as well. So whether it's mask mandates or, or something else, plus a vaccine, I think there's a better chance of the spring working. And that would be a cool trial run and it would, it would teach us a lot about how it might work. And you'd also have basketball probably overlapping because I think if you're, you're indoors and it's an airborne virus that has issues there, playing basketball is probably also going to be a major challenge, especially in November, December, January. That might get pushed a little bit. I know they need to have like March Madness, so I don't know how they're exactly going to do it, but maybe they try to bubble somehow. or I don't know. But I, I think it might overlap, like we were saying. But football's played in the fall, Bennett. What do you have to say about that? This is the one, the one argument that's maybe the most frustrating. And I like, I love fall football. I love the fall. I like the weather in the fall. I like going to like October games. Yeah. I saw your, uh, your season, uh, seasonal power rankings. 
Fall is number one. It's not even close. We're talking weather. We're talking sports. It's number one. Um, it's just, I love fall. So, I mean, I like fall football. It's always been like a thing. I totally get that, that, but like to not even participate in the discussion or even consider like what a spring would be like for the FCS because you're used to something I think is the most frustrating. Cause like, I don't know, like there are flaws with the current like FCS and group of five system. I don't think it's perfect. We're watching the games on like flow sports with a crappy feed. Like nobody really cares what's happening. And it's, and we're like, well, it's fall. Okay. Well, when's the last time you consistently went to like games in the fall? Why does it matter if you're watching it on TV, if it's in the fall or in the spring? I don't know. What are your thoughts you're, on that? You're right. It's just this argument to, to me too, is the most kind of lacking because it, it's just almost lazy where it's like, well, football's played in the fall. Well, you still have the NFL. You still have in this theory, the fall college season, because we're not saying get rid of fall college football. We're just saying they're overshadowed. The F- these smaller schools are overshadowed. So why don't we put them into this area that isn't really, doesn't have a lot of shadows going on outside of March Madness. There's really nothing else happening in the months of February, April, like all of that, it could get its own thing. So that's what we're saying. We're not saying get rid of fall football. Um, it's also just like, I've, I've seen arguments of like, well, what about homecoming? What about parents weekend? Like, I mean, there could still easily be a homecoming in the fall, or you could even push it to the, like, these aren't weekends that are like in the laws of the world. Homecoming has to be the last weekend of October on a football game. Like that's, it's just not like, and parents weekend is like, those things are like just ways to get people to come back to the school. So if there's say a, a great fall matchup, we could still have homecoming or if they have great events in the fall, we could still have homecoming then. Or like you said, we could plan a Richmond VCU homecoming weekend in the spring. Like that would be fantastic. You could, I mean, you could even do, let's say basketball still starts in November. You could do some, you could do a homecoming basketball game. So if you still want a fall one, maybe it's a little later than October, but you do like your first game. It's a big home game. You have people come in. Like I like to think that people, love JMU for much more than the athletic programs. Like I would go back because I like the campus and it's fun. I would like to go to like the places in Harrisonburg, you know, if I had a group of friends who were like, Oh, let's all go this weekend. Like, obviously for me, football plays a role in it. And I would, I'd certainly be interested in that, but there are a lot of people that go just because it's a game and more of the weekend. Like they, they're like, Oh, the game, but they don't pay attention to the game. Like yeah, we, we can all say there are JMU fans who very much like don't follow the team. They're like, how are we doing this year? And it's like mid October. And they still show up the homecoming. We're like, the natty. How we do? Right. <laughs> right. You could easily find a different sporting event at a different time. You could also, like you were saying, why can't you do something like that in the spring? If football's in the spring, I would 100% show up to like a, a March double or something like that. Maybe it's February where you've got the basketball, you got football, you got everything going on. That'd be fun. So and, I don't. Sorry, finish your thought. I was pretty much all I've got to say is just like it. I think you could work around that. Like that's the issue I have with some of the arguments that are like easily work aroundable. Like, yeah. A good argument. And this just popped into my head going back to the logistics and now I'm kind of going all over the place, but there are times this last season and in past seasons where there was a men's then women's basketball doubleheader, which like, I know it's nowhere near the same as a football to basketball doubleheader, but like, they they did that. They figured it out. Or they even had choices to a basketball doubleheader. And choices is even, 
I'd say that's almost comparable to a football doubleheader because that's what 5,000, 10,000 people packed into convo in shares set up tear down starting at 6 a.m. Then have to get the court ready by let's say 4 p.m. Then have that game, then have a 7 p.m. game. Like, so that's kind of the same thing. Like it is possible now doing that every weekend isn't possible, but that's why we were saying, or I was saying at least you have to, you have to plan that schedule out where maybe on an away football, you have your home basketball. And then if you have your home basketball, you have an away football, all of that good stuff. But yeah, that just, that just flashed back into my head to go back to the logistics part of it. Yeah. And you could do the, the basketball doubleheader. Like in some ways that'd be almost nicer depending on how cold it is. Like if you're doing it in November, like I think being inside at this like fancy new arena and having a chance to watch like a pair of basketball games would be a lot of fun. And it's a school that I like, I understand that Jamie at this point is basically a football school, but you've got the women's basketball program is unbelievably good. You've got to think the men's team, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but they got the waivers. Like they're like, you know, there are a couple of good bounces away from winning the national championship. So I'm just kidding. But I think they're going to be like a much better CAA team. And I think they're going to have chances with the new arena and a better program to schedule legit opponents. So I think if you do that, you've got that going on. Obviously the women's basketball team has been bringing in and competing well against legit opponents. They should have beat Maryland at home this last season and talk about them killing them. And then they blew it. But anyway, no, I mean like that's something that I think people would get around and, and consider doing because they're not, I don't think they're going to homecoming for the football game in most cases. I think it's a really nice, like this is a central event and they can find other ways to have events. And thinking as a JMU student and as a JMU alum, it's a great excuse to get drunk at 1 p.m. with your friends. <laughs> exactly. Like, especially the young alumni. Like, they're going in to, like, you know, go to a football game and tailgate and have that experience. And I think, well, I guess probably even some of the older alums are doing that. So if you can find an event that allows some sort of tailgate, whether it's basketball or even if it's not a sporting event, I don't know. But just find, like, some sort of way – just honestly, man, people would show up. Just bring people in and have something happy. You could have like a concert or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I think one of the last arguments, uh, there's kind of two more arguments we've had. One of them I think would be quick. This one I have some thoughts on. The argument that, and David Pollock was stupid when he said this in his thing of that they're not going to play in the NFL. They do deserve a shot in the NFL. And this takes some rethinking, but there was a quote from Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks podcast in this Bruce Feldman athletic article. And I'm just going to read it verbatim because I, I think this quote is kind of the crux of it all, where this is the thought that, that makes the boat go. Daniel Jeremiah and I both know that the NFL would love nothing better than to have a major event each and every month of the, of the season. The draft and the combine are easy shifts if they feel like the college landscape is changing. Moving the combine out of February into late March or early April, moving the draft into May, I don't think that impacts the NFL calendar, but what it would do is give them an opportunity to have a truer evaluation of the guys from group of five and FCS. He didn't say FCS. I'm putting that in brackets because their season would be closer to draft day. Bucky Brooks is a, and Daniel Jeremiah are both former NFL scouts. So if they know anything about moving the draft and combine and all of that, they, they have their, their hand on that pulse. So I think that is what the crux of it all is. And I think kind of the argument that they deserve a shot at the NFL, and this is going to hurt recruiting. 
just ignores that fact and ignores that the NFL would change this if this is something that caught on. I think it's interesting, yeah, because if the draft is moved, there are like pluses and minuses. I think recruiting, I do think would be a little worse just because I think now like getting the FCS you or a group of five, you sort of feel like you're in the same spot just because you're you're playing at the same time. You've got the same like combine chances, even though you don't actually have the same combine chances. There's like the illusion that you have the same chance. So I think that makes it a little more challenging when you've got like, and some of it depends on who would split, right? Because JMU, for the most part, is not competing with power five schools for recruits, right? Like there's not, there's almost never a guy who has like a legitimate offer and has a chance to start at like a P5 program. Um, They bring in the transfers. So maybe that would impact how Jamie gets FBS transfers, but I don't know. Um, but like, I don't, mostly they're beating out like Mac schools or some of these other G5s. You look at like Old Dominions or Appalachian State and things like that. And if they all move too, then you're still recruiting for basically the same kids. So I don't think it changes it too, too much. Although I think that there are probably some kids that would maybe try even harder and accept a backup role at a P5 just to, to be a part of that. But it's it's an interesting thing if the draft did move because there are people and there are NFL scouts who do have the time and do scout FCS games but as we've seen a lot they tend to miss like on the most obvious best guys like kind of a lot like they don't really know about them like Jimmy Moreland needed these great like senior bowl kind of performances to even get slightly on a radar still didn't get a combine offer and then goes in the seventh round like when he was pretty clearly a dude that like deserved a shot at least he's like doing a decent job for the Redskins and improving he's not like a lockdown number one first round corner but he also, I think, slipped compared to how good he is. You look yeah. at pretty much anyone who's not a quarterback at the FCS level, I think, is is undervalued a tremendous amount. Like, I think if they had that spring season, like they were saying, the turnaround would be really hard. Like, the playing in the spring and then needing to play a fall NFL season, I think that would be a major issue. But I do yeah. the chance to actually play in front of, like, scouts who are completely tuned into that, I think that would be huge. That was, that was kind of my biggest thought because right now they're competing with the LSU-Alabama game on a Saturday where there's 33 NFL prospects on that field and on that sideline. So where are the four scouts attention – like, not four scouts. Where are the 30 – I know there's more than 32. But where are yeah. all the scouts' attentions for that game? Probably the LSU-Alabama game and then a couple other Power 5 games across the country on that Saturday. No eyes are on the FCS. Whereas if you move to the spring, yeah, the turnaround's going to be tough. And that is a huge part because they don't have time to nurse their injuries and get back to 100% before training camp and everything starts. So it, might, it puts them at a slight disadvantage. But it also puts them in a spot that they wouldn't otherwise be in playing on a Saturday in the spring and having all the eyes look at them. Yeah, I think it would help a lot just to have a chance to to show what you're capable of in front of scouts on a regular basis because people are, are watching them and tuned into them and people would sort of develop their, their favorite spring players and stuff like that. So I think there's a big benefit to it. There's still be questions obviously about competition level, but those already exist. And yeah, I mean, like you look at right now, it feels like a lot of NFL teams rely on like those senior bowl kind of scouts to, to like, guess correct not guess i'm not guessing but it's like guessing. evaluate it's correct guessing <laughs> there's there's it's more guessing at least in the than the power five level but i think that, i mean like those guys will study it and then they'll bring people to the senior bowl and then like i think those are almost the group 
whether it's the combine or the senior bowl, like if you're an FCS player at that, they're going to look at you and give you a chance. If you're not like the chances of you, like you're not being drafted. Like yeah, 100%, like you're not being drafted. Jimmy got drafted because of his play in the, the all-star games. Yes. Like if he doesn't get invited, if he, I think someone even got injured and that's how he got to the senior bowl. Like, if he doesn't play in that senior bowl and have those great workouts throughout the week, he's not getting drafted and nearly drafted. Exactly. And like just the idea that the FCA, like you said it, the illusion that they have the same chances as these power five guys to get to the combine. There are 337 invites to this last combine. You already know the answer to it because I texted you it last night. So I won't, but I won't say guess it. There were 12, FCS invites three of those were from Rhode Island I just wanted to throw that out there because how does Rhode Island get three combine invites and JMU's best defense in the nation got none I digress but there were 12 FCS invites out of 337 there were two invites from a D2 or D3 school so like in the grand scheme of things really like like they don't have like the FCS doesn't have the same chance to get to the combine and like the positions weren't like quarterback, wide receiver, running back, safety. Like these, these are the positions that got invited punter, tight end, running back, linebacker, D line, tight end, QB, wide receiver, O line, wide receiver. That's Rhode Island. I got to let my cat in. <laughs> Amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, Rhode Island's the only was the only FCS school with multiple dudes, right? Yeah, which makes no sense because they suck. And then right. an O line and then a DB. The Southern Illinois DB was Jeremy Chin, which was a yeah. fantastic guy who everyone can agree got looked over to go power five. But like O line, a D three O lineman got invited. So like it's just different, you know? Like a punter, a tight end, two tight ends. Three O linemen, if I'm counting right, two O linemen, two tight end. Like they well, aren't the like is, the, the marquee positions that are going. And the thing that kind of stands out to me is like they're whiffing hard on like the best schools. Like like it's a punter from Bucknell, and the the Dayton tight end was pretty good. Um, Illinois State obviously had some some solid running back play this past year. You got Montana, North Dakota State. We got like a Portland State tight end, a Princeton quarterback, a South Carolina State O lineman, and a Southern Illinois DB. How did a Princeton quarterback go over Ben DiNucci? Like, like that's what my thing is. Like right. that's why it's so confusing because the scouts are like missing, and then DiNucci ends up getting picked. And I think they're I don't even know if the Princeton guy got picked or not. I probably did. No, but, I like, don't think so. But <laughs> I just don't know like how how they're missing on all this and like. I don't know. It's kind of insane that you look at who are the teams in the semifinals. What do you have like two guys from like semifinal programs or something? Or maybe yeah, running back and a linebacker. No, yes. NDSU was a D lineman. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have many people who were, were, were going from like the top tier programs. Jamie, you didn't have a single guy despite like the two best defensive ends in the country, uh, a really efficient conference player of the year at quarterback. It just doesn't – I mean, even Polk or Stapleton or somebody at receiver who can do some stuff or Dylan Stapleton at tight end who ended up getting picked up pretty quickly on the undrafted stuff. So that's where I think it would benefit them a lot is like, all right, you'd be able to have scouts narrow in on these top like 15 or 20 teams and be like, you know what, these guys are, are kind of dominating the level. Let's see if we can get these guys 
to the combine. Again, the turnaround, I don't know. Like, I don't know how their body does it. Like, I don't know how they would turn around. Oh, yeah. And then, or do they have to be eased into, like, the fall stuff in the NFL? Like, that's, to me, still the biggest hiccup. But in terms of, like, the combine, if the combine was pushed back, this would benefit them tremendously in terms of actually making the combine. Because nobody, nobody, like, that's the thing where it's like, well, if they do this, JMU players aren't going to the combine. They're not going now. They're going to the combine. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't even find – I was trying to look for it last night. I couldn't find the last player that went to the combine. Like, Jimmy didn't. Ben harder. didn't. Vad Lee didn't. Brian Shore didn't. Rondell didn't. Daka didn't. Um, Ish didn't. I don't think got, like Carlo went. Rashard Davis, the Super Bowl champion, didn't go. Raven Green's, like, fringe starter for the Packers. He didn't go. Oh, yeah, Raven Green is, like, if before his injury last year, won the starting job out of training camp. Like, he, yeah, he didn't go. Like, there's just – I think Earl Watford might be the last guy to go. I could be wrong on that. But, I mean, it's been, and, like, a decade. And no disrespect to Earl Watford, but, like, an O-lineman going to the combine is a lot different than a, a, a star safety. Like, linemen, they kind of look, oh, you have the intangibles. You're 6'5", 300, let's bring – and, and – your film is good. Like if that, that'll like, get you there. If Moreland goes to the combine after his all-star game performances and runs a four, four, he's a fourth rounder. He's like, he's locked and he's not going the seventh round. So like, that's the kind of thing where I think it could be beneficial. The only, again, is just like, how do your, how does your body bounce back or playing football? Maybe the season ends in April and you've got like a month to sort of train and, and get your body back. And then you've also got to get into like a mini camp at some point. So that would be the, difficult part but here's the thing with the way COVID is changing everything right now does the nfl see how this impact i mean say they have a good season it goes off without a hitch not many big injuries do they then kind of transition more to this virtual meeting type thing where you work out on your own and we just have meetings for like the first couple of weeks no contact so they have a little bit more time to recover could that be the change i think that one comes down to big time how does the NFL look come Sunday regular season? Like say there's no preseason or even they move to two preseason games, a um, lot less contact, a lot more thinking, a lot more in this, the film room. Like if that turns into a good product on Sunday and their stars aren't getting hurt, like we see every year a random receiver goes down with a torn ACL in training camp. Like if that doesn't happen, do they move to that full time? And then all of a sudden having a later combine and these later, these later workouts, does that help this whole thing? Like, I think, I think a lot of this also comes down to COVID changing things right now and what gets brought on full time from these changes. For sure. That's a really good point. Just to kind of see like, you know, they're obviously doing the no preseason this year, so we'll see how that goes. But if they're able to, you know, do this and then let's say they end in April, but they don't actually have to play like intense hardcore games until maybe, maybe August or even September, and they're just sort of training and they have some time to get their body back, then maybe they are able to do it, especially some of it depends too, if they're still doing like the full, like I think Jamie played like 16 games last season or something insane, but they played a lot. Are they still doing that? Can they go a little smaller for the NFL guys? Like, I don't know, but I think there's, there's potential there. Um, especially if they're able to get their bodies back, I know it'd be challenging, but we'll also kind of see like, this fall, right? Or the, the not this fall, the next fall. Because if they do the spring football, which it sounds like people are going to try, the NFL has said it's like not changing right now. It's draft and stuff. So if it keeps that all the same, you would probably play. And then there'd be some guys who are going to play in the spring and try to play NFL in the fall. 
like what if it works and then the draft does end up getting so yeah like you were saying there's there's potential for it to work and i think we'll kind of see yeah and this is all a thought exercise where who knows what happens and i mean there's just there's just so much to it i think it's a great thought exercise and i think it is worth looking into from a fan perspective i think it's fun i think it gives us something to talk about I do think it is a beneficial thing in the long term. I do wish this was something that was brought on, but like I said earlier, do I think it's something that's going to be brought on by the FCS and group of five and that the NCAA will be blown up and everything will change and there'll be huge realignment. And as I'm saying it, you're probably thinking I'm crazy. You're right. I don't think that, you know, like, but I think it would be great. What do you think about the idea that spring football is like a sideshow? So like, like the XFL, I could never get behind because the XFL, I was like, like, no, like, I'm never going to care about one of these teams. I'm never going to care about the play. Like, I know that people would care about the college football, but you still feel like it might be a sideshow and you'd kind of also have to admit that you're lesser. I think power five schools now don't take the FCS seriously. Like, the only reason FCS has a leg to stand on right now is because you're just kind of sitting there like, well, we play in the fall. Like we beat you guys sometimes when we play you. Like that's the only leg FCS has to stand on. So like the play is worse. I love FCS. We both love FCS. We're FCS diehards. And because of that, I think this is something we need to talk about and something that could enhance the game for the guys playing in the FCS for the reasons we talked about. They can get more eyes on them. Do I think it'll be a sideshow? I think for the first year or two, they kind of have to prove themselves in the spring. And that's where I think it also gets sticky because there's just no money right now. There's no money in college football. It's all get in, get out, get it. Like they don't have any reserves and they would almost need a reserve to withstand that first year or two. And then once they prove it, I think it is no longer a sideshow, but kind of like the XFL and AAF had to withstand and they couldn't. You have to make it through the first couple of years and show your worth. But do, do I say this admits that we're lesser? I think we already admit that we're lesser, but yes. <laughs> I think that's the thing too, is like some fans are like, well, it'd, it'd be like, uh, you know, I think somebody said it would be admitting defeat or something like that. Like, okay. Like, all right. Like <laughs> Jamie's never going to be Virginia Tech in football. Like they're I, not going to be that kind of program. I also never thought we were in a war with the power five. You know, like I always just assumed and everyone does. I mean, they're the reason we're not going into Alabama's house and beating Alabama. Most yeah, do that. A hundred games in a row, we lose a hundred games. Like, I don't care if it's North Dakota State, I don't care if it's JMU, I don't care if it's the best program that has ever stepped foot on the FCS gridiron. You're going into Alabama's house a hundred times, you're losing a hundred times. There is no admitting defeat. This isn't a war. This isn't we're trying to prove that we're better than you. We know we're not better than you. So I think just going to these, this, this potential spring could work. And I think just dismissing it right away because it's not the norm and players are speaking out against it isn't the right move. I think, I mean, yeah, players are speaking against, out against it. Like you saw so many of them quote tweeting so many former athletes, but I'd love to sit down with them and just ask them like, why? Because from a fan perspective, from a media slash fan perspective, which is what I consider us, like it could work. And I, I feel like it could benefit the player. 
Yeah, I think that people hate change as part of it. So like you hear change, you're like, oh no. You know, I want to be able to, to play in that FBS, FCS game and, and upset them, even though I think Hero Sports was doing like a tracker. And uh, last year it did not go well. Like it was just horrible. And the one the upsets that were happening would be like a CAA team would take down like a, a subpar max squad. It's like, yeah, those are the teams that would then be included in the spring. Like, it, no, like, like UCF isn't going to be included, but ECU might. Sorry, Mike, you might be coming down with us. Like, <laughs> But like right. those top and yeah. It's just like, and that's why I say they're going to be, if, if this was to happen, there'd be a lot of realignment. There'd be a lot of rethinking. I don't think the NCAA would exist anymore. And I think it would be like college football fall, college football spring. And that would in effect be FBS, FCS type of thing going on. And we're getting kind of closer to that, like with the name, image, and likeness where the NCAA has like just, they're basically asking Congress to do their job for them. Like they won't do anything. And then you've got the COVID where they're waiting literally for the power five conferences and everyone to just make these decisions before doing anything. Their advice is like to make sure you get tested and like try not to cough on people like, all right, like we knew this. So thank you. I mean, when they don't add anything, I think at a certain point, the power five and everyone's gonna be like, like, look, like we can just do this on our own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, is that all we have? And then we'll, we'll do basketball with separate or something. Yeah, so um, tune in to our next episode, which we'll be releasing. It's already released when you finish watching this, listening to this. Um, but if you guys have any other thoughts, we would love to kind of have a positive um, discussion on it, not attacking anyone, um, not like the replies I was saying to David Pollack. But I'd love to, we, we both would love to like talk this out with, with our listeners on Twitter um, tweet at us at JMU Sports News. You can find us on Facebook and you can start a discussion on our Facebook page. Um, just type in JMU Sports News there. Um, and those are the two places you could start this discussion. We would love to engage and talk it out. But speaking for myself, I'll let Bennett speak for his final thoughts on it. I do think this is something that should be looked into. I think it's beneficial for all involved. I think it would take some growing pains of a year or two, maybe even three. Um, but I do believe this is something that should be looked into. Do I think it'll happen? No. Do I wish it'll happen? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I just hope that people kind of look at stuff like this and they don't immediately dismiss it. Like I, when I saw the athletic article, like the headline, I was like, this is dumb. And then I read the article and there was like some anonymous FCS coaches and things. And they talked about how the draft could be moved back and how they could sort of accommodate for these things. I was like, all right, that's actually really interesting. Cause the idea of like the group of five in the FCS branching away, I think would be kind of interesting just because like they're already competing for those championships. Jamie, you could just lean into competing against these kind of teams and, and trying to win championships and without really any way to break into the power five, at least from what I've seen so far, even the AAC, um, I don't know how JME would, would go forward any other way. Um, so I think it could make sense. I think it could be cool. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen. I'm okay if it doesn't happen, but I think it's something that that's like a fun discussion point. We don't have too many fun actual sports discussion points. So I, when people are like, oh no, this sucks, but they don't add a second sentence saying why they think it sucks. That's my only issue with it. Like if you think it sucks and you think it sucks because of X, Y, and Z and you want to share those like sweet like, I love that kind of discussion. But when people quote tweet it, and they're like, dumbest idea ever. And then they don't they don't add anything. I'm like, all right, thanks. 
Yeah. Well, for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Be sure to tune into our waiver basketball special um, bonus podcast that is dropping as well right after you finish listening to this. Bennett is pumped for it. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.